today on the Tearsheet Podcast. It's hard to prioritize all these kind of administrative financial tasks that seem like a, a lot of overhead and a lot of burden. And so if it can, if it can self-drive, I think people will just you know, be more efficient and more optimized. And that ultimately increases the likelihood that they can achieve their goals, which is what everyone wants to do. And so I think it's just really important for all but the, you know, couple of percent of people who like love doing this on the weekends, which is probably me, but, uh, you know, I still, I still actually appreciate the optimization because I don't have to think about it. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. As fintech matures, many of the early pioneers in the space are realizing how important it is to become a user's primary account. Wealthfront, which began as a robo-advisor, looks a lot like a bank nowadays. The company recently rolled out new checking account features. Chris Hutchins is the head of autonomous financial planning at Wealthfront. He joins us on the podcast to talk about his firm's vision of self-driving money and how the future of financial services will include more autonomous banking services. Chris was previously the co-founder and CEO of Grove, which was acquired by Wealthfront, and co-founder of Milk, which was acquired by Google. Chris Hutchins is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm Chris Hutchins. I'm the Senior Director of Product at Wealthfront. I uh, run our advice and automation team. And, you know, I work on a wide variety of things from product uh, to financial planning to automating people's finances. And prior to Wealthfront, uh, I ran a startup in the financial planning space called Grove. And before that, have been both a venture capitalist and a founder and a, another startup employee at a few other places. Awesome. Great background. Um, I'm sure you bring all those experiences into, into your role at Wealthfront. Can you tell us a little bit about Wealthfront for people that might not know? Sure. Wealthfront's a next-gen banking service that helps young professionals earn more money on their savings. We provide no-account fee banking, low-cost investment management, all through a five-star mobile app. Great. And, and there's been an evolution, right? Like Wealthfront really kind of started with its core in investing. Yes. So, you know, Wealthfront has taken, you know, a, a long stride of, of achievements over the last few years, but we started as an investment company. We started actually with a mission to democratize uh, access to sophisticated investment products. And so mm -hmm. one of the first robo advisors on the market setting kind of a, a precedent that as I'm sure the, the market scene has, has kind of changed. I think almost every financial institution now has a robo advisor and we've since kind of spent a lot of time uh, focused on other parts of the financial ecosystem and, you know, really recently launched, checking features for, you know, our cash account, which we launched last year. Um, the, the cash account last year was kind of crazy. It was a little bit, I had just come into that, uh, joining Wealthfront last year. And I remember you know, that. I we, yeah. I think we had a billion dollars in deposits in the first month. Amazing. So we've really been focused on growing that it's, it's got a lot of good reception and, um, you know, now it kind of, we added all these features like being able to direct deposit your paycheck and get paid, you know, up to two days early. Um, and you know, pay your bills, make, pay your friends, all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome with the new features. Like why launch those now? Yeah. So I, well, one, our clients have been asking for them. And so it's something that, you know, we really take into account when we think about products is how are people using the products and people were putting a lot of their money into their cash accounts and wanted to be able to do more with that money. Um, and then also it's a really big, strong supporter of our self-driving money vision. So you know, we have a goal to kind of automate and optimize our users' finances and, and kind of really help put everything, imagine a world where you're, you know, you could direct deposit your paycheck, um, that money would be access, accessible two days early, 
and Wealthfront could figure out exactly where it needs to go to support your goals, whether that's, you know, leaving some cash for your down payment and, uh, you know, putting some money towards your retirement and topping off some of your, uh, you know, emergency fund, if you haven't done that, or putting money towards your 529 for your kid's education. And that could kind of all happen behind the scenes and potentially all happen, uh, you know, in that two-day window before your, you know, previous financial institution would have even given you your access to your paycheck. That's amazing. And, and how important is it to be self-driving um, to really kind of fulfill your mission? Yeah, I think the thing we learn when we talk to our clients is that people really, you know, want to have control over what's going on in their financial lives. They're not, they're not necessarily willing to give up entirely control to everything, but they don't want to deal with all the mundane process of, you know, I'm going to go and move this money here. I'm going to make sure my account gets to this amount and then schedule this. And I'm going to go adjust, you know, how much I contribute this month because I'm getting closer to when my kid's going to college. And so I think it's really important to, to have your money work for you and, and have a lot of those things happen in the background because, it's hard to prioritize all these kind of administrative financial tasks that seem like a, a lot of overhead and a lot of burden. And so if it can, if it can self-drive, I think people will just, you know, be more efficient and more optimized. And that ultimately increases the likelihood that they can achieve their goals, which is what everyone wants to do. And so I think it's just really important for all but the, you know, couple of percent of people who like love doing this on the weekends, which is probably me, but, uh, you know, I still, I still actually appreciate the optimization because I don't have to think about it. How much of your experience um, from you, from Grow, your previous uh, startup, kind of informs what you're doing today at Wealthfront? So one of the interesting things about Grove, we we took a different approach to the similar a similar audience, and ultimately learned that that wasn't the right approach. So we offered a kind of a hybrid of human financial advisors mm. and software. And you know, I always thought that you know that may or may not be the case, but it was a hypothesis I wanted to test. And ultimately, we learned that the cost of, you know, having humans in the loop at every step of the way just doesn't provide enough value to kind of, you know, kind of create a big company that will solve the, these problems for lots of people. And so towards the end, we kind of realized the, the, the approach we thought we needed to take was to really focus on software. And, you know, we looked at the, we looked in the mirror and said, well, do we want to go rebuild a software company or do we want to take all the learnings that we have from working with kind of millennials who save to help figure out how to achieve their goals and kind of apply them to a company that had spent the last decade building out kind of one of the more robust software platforms in the industry. And, and I guess um, checking and, and, and core banking plays a big role uh, if you want to move into self-driving, right? Like Exactly. So it's like the heart of the whole thing or the brain of the whole thing, or how, how does, how, how do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, so in order to, so the way we believe self-driving money can work is money comes in and most people, you know, their money comes in from their paycheck and then it has to go somewhere else. So your kind of main spending account, if you will, where your paycheck comes in, is kind of like the, the hub for all of that happens. And the more sophisticated that hub is, the more, you know, you're able to self-drive quickly, put things to the right place, not miss out on opportunities to earn interest. Um, all of that. So if you kind of have that account in, you know, in easier control and don't have to rely on, you know, third party APIs to connect with things, you're able to offer a better experience. That makes a lot of sense. And does it change? I want to get into who, who your audience is, who your customers are. And I'm wondering if moving into self-driving money changes the flavor of, of who your clients are or, or can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so right now, you know, our core audience is millennials or young professionals, 
you know, who choose us as their primary relationship over banks. Um, they save. Um, they're they're kind of it, there's this weird kind of stigma around millennials that millennials you know are all broke and and not, don't have any money. But there's about 20 million of them that you know are active savers. They'll probably accumulate significant wealth um, over their lifetimes, and that's kind of who we serve today. And that makes sense. We started with kind of investment products that were you know really sophisticated but not accessible to most people. Um, but as you start to bring features like self-driving money and these, you know, some of the banking features we launched recently, those are things that, you know, maybe have a wider appeal, right? I think uh, when you start your financial journey, you know, first you're saving enough cash to build up an emergency fund and then you're saving, you know, enough for your short-term goals. And then you're starting to look towards retirement and college savings for kids and all that kind of stuff. And so Wealthfront as an investment only account kind of doesn't necessarily help you save for cash. Then we launched the cash account and now we give you a place to start saving for cash. Now we make you not have to think about it and it probably has an even wider appeal. So, you know, I do expect to see, you know, lots of people, this might resonate with more people, but I think our core audience is, is still millennials who save. And if you think about, you know, the benefits of self-driving money is that we can put that savings to work. If you don't yet have savings, you know, you're probably not going to benefit as much from a system that automatically puts your savings to work. That makes a lot of sense. And, and what you're saying really feels like um, it positions Wealthfront in the crosshairs of, of, of core banking. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit how you see yourself, how, how you see Wealthfront competing against banks and I guess how you're differentiated in a way to, to be able to be competitive with some of the biggest ones out there? Yeah. So, you know, at its core, um, Wealthfront is a product, you know, product company. Uh, we build software. That's like our core competency. You can see more than half of our team is engineers. Um, and and that's, that's how we've grown up. And if you just look at the banking industry, you can see that I think in aggregate, they spend, you know, 200 and something billion dollars on IT. Uh, you know, JP Morgan spent, you know, billions of dollars on tech, launched a product called Fin, didn't really work out. Um, it's just not the core competency. I think the people always talk about like the, the greatest innovation in technology and banking, you know, to date is probably still the ATM card, right? Like that's how slowly they've innovated. And, you know, I saw this working with a lot of institutions, uh, you know, they all have spin up these kind of teams for, uh, you know, product development and innovation. But at the end of the day, they're very slow moving companies. And you can see that in their response to what's happened, um, you know, with the pandemic. You know, people are sitting on hold for hours as banks try to figure out how they stop, you know, being focused on branches and they start focusing on, you know, delivering products and services to customers on their phones. And it's just something that we kind of could roll with pretty quickly because we're already a company like that. And, you know, we, we have a, only a handful of product specialists, which are kind of similar to what a customer support rep would do somewhere else, but we have a strong belief that we should automate everything. And so, you know, we think their jobs are to understand the deficiencies in the product that couldn't be automated and try to inform the product roadmap so we can automate them. And we've been scale, able to scale to, you know, hundreds of thousands of clients with just 12 of them. Uh, and we haven't had these kind of, you know, long wait times that, that a lot of financial institutions have been having now. So it's just kind of our DNA to build Amazing. products. Amazing. That's a great stat. Um, so, so, so let's get to that. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of guests on this program um, talk about 
um, sort of the move, obviously, to digital banking being accelerated during COVID. People are sheltering in place, like branches aren't open. People are looking for digital solutions. So how did you guys fare during the pandemic? Yeah, so our fairing because obviously it's not over. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know, we have we we have a lot of long time I think before we can kind of get back to completely normal. But yeah, so I think we fared pretty well in that you know we didn't have clients having to sit and wait. Um, you know, we didn't have we, we were ready for this, right? We we transitioned the entire company to remote work, and and that didn't really affect uh, you know hold times. It didn't affect you know client circumstances. We and we realized that people had questions. Uh, about the pandemic, you know, we could pretty quickly build that into the product. So we had, you know, in-app question Q&A that would kind of answer kind of common things that were new to people, but we knew the answers to. So we didn't have to, you know, deal with as much email and as much phone calls. So we really tried to automate all of those behaviors. And, you know, we're still focused on on innovating the core products. And so we've launched these banking features during the pandemic. Uh, we think that that's something that's really valuable to people. Um, it allows you to, with your kind of core account that you deposit your paycheck to earn interest, which, you know, while interest rates might not be where they were before, um, it's something that we still think is important to do for your core spending account where you're keeping, you know, the cash you need to pay your bills. Who, who do you think your new your, your marginal customers, are these people coming from traditional um, sort of banking institutions? Do, do you have any qualitative or quantitative information about like who these people are? Yeah, I don't think I, I mean, so we launched a lot of these banking features uh, to like a limited availability over the last month and to mm -hmm. the wider audience over the last kind of day or two, uh, okay. like this week. A little so, early for the data, yeah. Yeah, so I, don't, I can't tell you exactly who they are outside of our core demo, but I can tell you that most of the clients coming over are, you know, it, it's interesting in the kind of fintech ecosystem, you kind of always assume that your other fintech companies are always your competition. But if you look at where our clients are coming for, they're mostly coming from traditional banks. Um, and if you look at the average, you know, checking account in the industry, um, you know, it's hard to find one that doesn't actually have fees just to keep the account open each month, which is something we thought was, you know, we didn't want to offer. It's, it's hard to find um, an account in a, in a bank as a checking account that pays, you know, much interest at all, which is why even in this kind of depressed interest rate environment, we're able to offer kind of four times the average that, that, you know, checking accounts are offering. So, um, I think we just are seeing people who, you know, kind of are more or less fed up with their banks and, you know, the one value that, you know, you could have, and unfortunately our team doesn't have of, of branches. It's not even something that's relevant anymore. Right. Um, you know, you can't even go in, but we actually talked to our clients about whether they go to branches. And I think something like 40% of them haven't even gone to their financial institutions branch in the last year. So it's just not something that I think, is appealing to this generation now that we can do everything on our phones and it's something you pay for. So I think we, we did some research and found that the average customer pays about $400 a year to cover the cost of their branch. So it's just something that I think our customers would rather get back in the form of products, in the form of interest, in the form of features than in the form of having a, a place to go that kind of doesn't serve a lot of purpose in a, in a millennials kind of world. Interesting. So, so you've established like sort of self-guided money, self-driving money as a sort of overarching principle uh, for the firm. Um, so where, where does that leave you in terms of future products? Like, are you rolling out more banking features in the future? 
Yeah, so we'll always continue to add more features uh, to the banking product until, you know, it kind of meets all needs and, you know, all things. And so we, we think we started with a really core feature set that delights, uh, delighted our early customers as we tested it. As for what comes next, I think that self-driving money vision is something that, you know, we're going to continue to make progress on. Um, you know, I, I'm working on a product right now that we're kind of externally testing lightly about starting all that automation. So, you know, make sure that any, this account, whether it's at Wealthfront or not, if it, if it ever gets over a certain amount, kind of auto sweep it to the place that I want it to go. Um, mm -hmm. And you can see that evolve to the point that it's, oh, wow, when, when any of my accounts have any more than they should, make sure we automatically put that in the best place possible. And similar to our investment account where you just invest in the Wealthfront investment account, you choose a risk score, we don't have to come to you every day and say, hey, should we rebalance this? Should we, you know, you know, should we tax loss harvest here? We just kind of do that in the most optimal way. You could see that happening with, with your money sitting in other accounts. And it's like, oh, it's, it's time to, you, know, you have too much cash right now. Let's put it to work. And, and we'll put it to the most optimal place because we understand you. And we'll, of course, give you, you know, controls so you can make sure that it's not doing the wrong thing. But it can start to get put to work right away. And so that's something we're working on um, that you'll see coming out over, over the coming months. Um, to just kind of continue towards building a, a better, more optimal financial situation for our clients. Uh, that sounds like a very complicated product uh, to build, <laughs> is it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, finances are different for each individual. And so right. you have to take into account a lot of circumstances. Um, but at its core, I think, you know, we're a product company. So, you know, talking to customers, understanding them, we have you know, both researchers on the product team and the design team to kind of help make sure we understand our customers really well. And so I think we do a pretty good job of making sure that we can ship something delightful that, you know, doesn't try to make something that could be simple complex. Got it. We have time for one last question, Chris. And um, one of the things we were looking at at Tearsheet was um, the surge in sort of free trading apps. Um, Robinhood, which has been doing great. I, I think they added like 3 million new accounts like in, in March and April. Um, how do you guys make of the whole sort of rise of free trading and, and, and things like that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So, you know, we kind of have a strong opinion that day trading is, is not really investing. So there, there's a di kind of difference between free trading and, and kind of what we've been seeing in the last few weeks and months where, you know, individuals have been able to drive the prices of certain, you know, stocks up, you know, a hundred X and then down again and that kind of stuff. So, Day trading is, I would say, a lot more like gambling than it is about like investing. So if we separate the two concepts, you know, one is, you know, free trading and making it more accessible for people to get in the market and start to invest and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm generally supportive of that concept. It's, uh, it's why, you know, we at the, on the, with the Wealthfront account, the investment account, we haven't, you know, charged for trading, uh, you know, in that account. And, uh, but when it comes to the kind of amount of day trading happening right now, I think it will likely end up with a lot of money lost for a lot of people. Lots of uh, tears. Yeah. There, there's kind of decades of research to show, uh, you know, that active investing strategies don't outperform passive investing strategies. Um, so, you know, I, I could send you as many as you want and then you know, pick a number and there's, a, there's at least that many studies to probably show that, that that strategy doesn't outperform for the average person. Uh, mm. And so, you know, I think that's that's just kind of something that it, it's much more exciting to talk about the story of one person that turned you know a hundred dollars into a thousand dollars. But uh, behind that story, there's probably uh, you know a lot more stories of people who bought 
you know, options that they didn't even understand that, you know, they lost tons of money on. Um, and that's kind of the disappointing and unfortunate thing, especially for an audience of people that are just getting started saving because, you know, the, the earlier you start to put money away for the long term, the better um, in terms of your financial future. So I think that's the core. The only, the only other thing I'll say is businesses are really different. You know, Robinhood makes money off the number of trades they make. And we kind of make money uh, in our investment account off of, you know, as a, a small fee on the percentage of assets. So our incentives are to have you, you know, have as many, you know, assets as possible. So, you know, we have, our incentives are really aligned. We want to grow the account. We're not, we're not making money off the number of trades you make. That's a really good way to put it. Chris, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me.